0: This is another MP3 podcast from 2 NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. And joining me this afternoon, our vet, Dr David Tabrett. Good afternoon to you. Hi, Dave. And from the Pet Shop Boys, Denny Bos. Hello, Denny. Good
1: afternoon, David.
0: Great to have you with us. Thank you very much. Another busy week. It's been another harrowing week that we've seen some uh, images that have affected the animals around the Victorian bush area there, the rural regions. Mm, Not nice at all.
2: I mean, just the human human cost. We also have to acknowledge, mm. obviously, and that's just been devastating and horrible. Mm. But um, as people have said, I mean, the support that's gone out to people is fantastic. And it, I, to me, one of the things that I've seen is that almost every report is saying, "Hey, but what about the animals? Yeah. You know, what's happening with the animals?" And that's been a focus of attention. You know, the family, the the extra family member of the animal, that's the right. family pet, as well as the wildlife.
0: Yep, and we, that wonderful image of the koala that we've all seen getting a drink of water there from a volunteer helping mm. out, which is wonderful, yeah.
1: We actually had a, a customer organise a truck to go and take down supplies, pet supplies, to to Victoria, and that was supported really well by um, a lot of um, uh, people were donating. Do you know that person's name? Do you know? Yeah, Brent. Well Brett done, Brett. And, his, and his and his sister Sharon organized wonderful it all. wonderful effort Well done. and uh, it was promoted through different radio stations as well David yeah. and we had uh, people coming into the store that were buying products to donate to to yeah. the cause and we were offering it at, at cost price um, to these people so that was our support but then we also donated ourselves quite a bit of stock but not just us other pet stores did as well yeah. when I went and delivered the, the stock there there was there was heaps of supplies he had a Whole, it had begun at nine a.m. The, in the morning, and I was there at five thirty. He had a whole single garage full and a carport full of stock, and he was then preparing for a second truckload mm. as well later in the week. So that was really, really nice to see. That's a great effort, and wonderful support. You got to think yeah. about even like the horses. There was um, a yeah. produce place that delivered lots of horse feed, for example, because mm. they got no grass to eat. Mm. So yeah. it was really touching. Mm.
0: Now, what have we got on the program today? What's your topic for today, David?
2: Uh, uh, last week last week we were inundated with calls which was fantastic and we hope to do the same today we did wanted to talk about heat stress and look at the weather in a, in a week it's all turned around and so um probably we can review that because um, dare say I think we've got warmer weather coming again next week.
0: Right yeah and you've got a topic, you've got someone we're going to talk to today Denny, who have you got there?
1: Yeah there's a couple of things um, we can, we've got, I did want to mention before that Dave actually is the Melbourne Pet and Animal Expo is on, I know it's not local Mm -hmm. but the moment uh, local activities in regards to pets is a little bit uh, fine, there's not as much going on but starting next month it's all going to start happening, I'm getting information of different things but the Melbourne Pet and Animal Expo has started today 'll we'll be on on Saturday and also sunday so there 's a lot of a lot of things happening in Melbourne if, if someone wanted to go and, and, and fly down. there is flights from Newcastle to mm. Melbourne and visit the animal expo and we 're going to be talking to the CEO of the pet industry association today, dr. Joanne Solance and we 'll be talking about the clover animal, animal, animal bill that's being talked about a lot. It's the animals regulation of sale bill. Mm. Uh, so we'll talk Quite
0: controversial, her. this one too. Yes. I'm just going to get your thoughts on that and what she thinks.
1: We're taking it from an aspect of what, how that bill will affect uh, you as a cat or a, or a dog owner or how it will affect you as a cat or a dog breeder. And there's some interesting statistics that I've got here that we can chat a little bit later.
0: It's Pet Chat today, and we have got Dr. David Tabrett with us now. Heat stress. This time last week, we were sweating. We were.
2: Terrible. um, For animals. We we didn't get a chance to talk about um, how to avoid and how to recognize the signs and symptoms and so on. Basically, with animals, and I guess, you know, we can sort of look today and say, oh, well, it's not too bad. But even in the low 20s or the mid-20s, you can actually get um, uh, a degree of exercise-induced heat inside the dog's body that they just can't get rid of. So you've just got to be careful about the humidity and the ambient temperature, obviously those really hot days, and if they exercise... The only way dogs can cool is by panting, and that's where they're pushing all their blood flow back up Mm. into the throat and they get rid of the heat that way. Uh, So if they get to the point where they're producing too much heat but not being able to get rid of it, then their body temperature, their core body temperature starts to go up, and what happens then is it just creeps up. Now, their normal temperature is 38 to 39. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, the weekend of the Australia Day long weekend, we had uh, nine dogs come in with heat stress on the Saturday, the Mm. 24th, Unfortunately, four of them, uh, sorry, five of them had died just before they got to us. One of them had to be put to sleep He had a temperature of 43 degrees.
0: What are the early warning signs that we should be looking for that our dog isn't coping with the heat or our animal isn't coping with the heat?
2: The interesting thing, the warning sign that speaks most is that people aren't coping with the heat. Um, And, you know, oh, yes, the dog will run all day and run all day but they don't. They actually do stop, they don't exercise, they'll seek out shelter, they're looking for water, they become agitated, their panting is excessive, they may be drooling a lot, which some of these things can be considered normal response, but mm-hmm. if it goes on, uh, obviously then you can recognise the distress. But certainly, you know, if people stop exercising because of the heat, then the dog's going to stop exercising. So another
0: precaution would be, is it time to look towards getting the haircut, the clipping done, if, uh, if you have a dog that can afford to have that done?
2: Well, that, that certainly helps. Uh, but the, um, the thing is just to make sure that they're not exercising in the heat of the day. They've got access to plenty of fresh water because we do see that if they're um, uh, restricted or, for example, if they've only got one water bowl, uh, that may actually get tipped over, and then they're without water all day. So having multiple sources of fresh water is very important. And in some breeds in particular that are, say, uh, cool-weather breeds, um, and we think of Samoids and Huskies yeah. and you know the, those dogs, which are obviously cold-weather climate dogs, um, to some degree they are climatised, but these extreme temperatures that we've experienced last month they don't really that deal That is with. when that
0: stress factor comes into it yeah. for them. Yeah, and
2: some people just, you know the clam shells that you buy for kids that yeah. they put sand and well they'll fill them with water and the dog can actually lie in them during the day. Yeah. As long as they're in the shade, otherwise it's just like a hot bath of course. Great tip, great tip for them yes.
0: Now I think we've got a caller waiting for us there. Let's go to the phones right now. Our number is 49216216. There is a spare line if you'd like to ask a question. Good afternoon who do we have there?
3: Hi David, it's Robin. how are you?
0: Hey Robert, how are you? We've got Good Dr thing. David Tabrett listening to you here.
3: Hi, David, how are you all? Hi, good, thank you. It's only what you're saying, but what's, what's, how long is a dog safe or not safe in a car, Uh, apart from the other issues which you're covering? I'm worried about non-air-conditioned homes, which I have, so I'm not criticising other people. And uh, Mm. Susie goes and lays down, uh, and we try to keep her near a breeze, but what about air-conditioned cars? Obviously, you don't leave them in there at all, full stop.
2: Um, if it, you, know, you mean you mean like a hot day and really
3: hot, or well, even even not the hot days, but even if it, well we think it's a comfortable day, but it could be hot for them inside yeah, the car.
2: Yeah, Um Obviously not a parked car, um, right, right. as we know. Like uh, in terrible times when we've seen kids in those circumstances and dogs, of course, that um, uh, the the temperature rises extremely rapidly, like within minutes. Mm-hmm. But um, interestingly, when we have dogs and people ring up and say they think their dogs heat stress or are affected by heat. We say to them, "You've got to bring him in. The first thing you do is hose him, mm-hmm. and then put him in the car. Leave the windows open when you drive in, because the moving air yeah, yeah, o- over the right. wet over the wet coat actually creates the cooling effect. So when the dog, you know, you see these pictures, dogs love to stick their heads out the window, yeah, yeah. and the drool all goes down the side of your car. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Good for the drool, <laughs> yeah. They're, they're cooling themselves really quite effectively in that in that circumstance."
3: So even in a water source, even if it's a hot day, if you can get your dog to a water source, like the the beach or even a dam or whatever, as long as they can cope uh, or you can cope and they get wet, it's going to have a little bit of a beneficial effect.
2: It's one of the emergency conditions that we see a lot where we actually say to people, do this before you move. Like there's actually something that you can physically do at home that will help because if you have to drive, say, 10 minutes or 20 minutes and you've got to go to the vet... What's happening is in the car. If they're not moving, and some of these dogs come in unconscious, then their temperature is temperature continuing down. to increase. Right. And you know it might be forty-one, forty-one and a half when they leave home. By the time they get to us, it's forty-two. Um, brain damage is starting to occur. Right. So if you do cool them and then transport them.
3: All right. Well, thanks for that. Good on you. And good luck with the program and everyone, and take care. Good man, Robert. Thank you for your
2: call there. Jackie's with us now from Tea Gardens. Hello,
0: Jackie. How are you today?
4: I'm
5: very good, thank
4: you. How are you?
0: Very good. What would you like to talk to David about?
4: Um, David, what I was wondering, um, during those hot days, I was putting um, ice cubes into my dog's water. Yep. The water outside she had and the water inside that she had. Is that okay with it?
2: I think it does help. Um, obviously, you would have seen that the ice cubes don't last too long.
4: Yeah, I kept changing the water every half hour because it was that hot. It
2: was,
0: I yeah.
4: I take a swim in because she's got that advantage
2: on her. What sort of dog is she, Jackie?
0: A
4: pomeranium.
2: Oh, beautiful. Uh, okay. She I would have noticed the heat, yeah. 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 Um, certainly, a lot of people do that. I think that's a, a good idea uh, to make sure that they've got cool water source because... Um, you know, if the water's sitting there all day, uh, yeah. it, the temperature in the water can rise and then it becomes distasteful for the dog as well so they won't actually uh, drink as much. And they're not just the cooling effect, but this panting means they actually lose water out of the body yeah. and they can lose a significant volume. I, so,
4: I know she was drinking a lot.
2: Yeah, yeah. I've
4: got ceramic bowls for her water.
2: Yeah, oh, well, that would have helped too because that I would keep
4: cool. Oh, I wasn't too sure cool. whether been the, the cold would... Herder, you know putting
2: the ice in the water as well you know sort of no i don't i mean even on those days i don't think that would um cause I any problem long, no no exactly i think that's a really good strategy to make sure that they've got cool water if you're changing the water frequently that means it's fresh yeah. and it's more tasty for them to have a drink and as i said replace that fluid volume so yeah. that's a, that's a great idea I just wanted to double-check with that one. Yep, now you're on the money there, Jackie. Okay, thank you very much. Good on you.
1: We've got um, Dr. Joanne um uh, with us today. She'll be talking with us on our show. She's, she's a trained veterinarian and is CEO of the Pet Industry Association, which is the peak body for all the very best pet businesses in Australia. And in the past, she has been president of the Australian Veterinary Association, which Dr. David Tabret is the president of the Newcastle or Hunter Valley Association, and she, he knows uh, Joe, and has worked in animal research on farms all over Australia and been on the course vet to dog shows. She also owns a purebred and hybrid dog. And tank, and a tank of fish has a house full of wild lizards and a colony of wild marsupial mice and loves them all to pieces. That's a good one, isn't it? Hello, Joanne. Thank you for joining us today. Good
4: afternoon to you guys.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Actually, hybrid dog. Can you just uh, tell us what you mean by hybrid dog? Um, a hybrid dog is a deliberate crossbred. Deliberate crossbreed. Uh, I,
4: I, I admit
1: that I own a border collie and a labradoodle. Yes. Which means that both sides of that argument hate me equally. <laughs> uh, but they're all loving pets, though. That's the main thing. Absolutely. Now, what, with, I wanted to talk to you about the Clovermore Animals Regulation of Sale Bill. And the bill is promoting itself as stopping the sale of, of cats and dogs, actually mammals, in pet shops. But upon reading the bill, it goes much further and I actually had a look at its 23 pages document that I've got here that I printed off, off the website. It will affect breeders of pure breed dogs and cats um, and also it it can affect pet owners and this is what we're going to be talking about um, in regards to if I'm a, a cat or a dog owner, how does this bill, uh, what does it mean to me, how does it affect me?
4: The bill proposes all sorts of changes in other legislation And the outcome of that is that if you want to own a hybrid dog, like a Labradoodle or a Cavoodle, you won't be able to. They'll disappear. The bill actually says that uh, you'll be punished in a whole lot of circumstances unless you present your animals to a shelter for euthanasia. So if you lose your dog or cat in a storm,
5: or if a neighbour finds
4: your cat on their property and and impounds it, uh, or if somebody opens your gate and your dog or cat escapes, it'll be cut off to the pound and you'll basically be turned into a criminal. You'll have to pay large fines and you'll have to go onto the register so you'll be on a bloody database. Yes. And so essentially you're punished for doing the right thing by going and getting your dog or cat, you know, back unless you surrender it. Right. And then, of course, there's no punishment at all. Uh, so it's a positive economic incentive to euthanise your pet.
1: Even... Um, well, that's a bit of a worry, then, isn't it?
4: <laughs> it's worse than that. If you if you rent a property and you have to move into an apartment, or you have to move into another rental that doesn't allow pets. Yes. At the moment, you can put a free to good home ad in the classifieds.
1: Yes. Um,
4: and you can actually, you know, vet the people coming along and say, look, you know, I don't think you're the right owner. And somebody comes along who's absolutely perfect, and you can pick that person. Yeah. All of that will be banned under the legislation. So you wouldn't
1: be allowed to do that.
4: Absolutely not. And because of the effect on breeders, uh, we do expect that over time some breeds will disappear completely. So the bottom line of this is that you won't be able to have the dog or cat that you choose to have.
1: Would it also then mean a limit to the variety of pets that that would be available to to pet owners and pet lovers? Yeah, we
4: think that that's the case. You should never look at a bill as to what it says on paper. You should always look at a bill as to two things. One, what it means in real life... And secondly, where it goes from there. Hmm. So, if, for example, this bill impo- well sorry, this bill does impose standards on breeders, but it doesn't tell us what those standards are. Mm-hmm. So we had a look around the world, and lo and behold, in the United Kingdom, uh, there's now a ban on brachycephalic dogs—that is, dogs with those, uh, you know, sort of flat faces.
1: So, like your pugs. Pugs, um, British, bulldogs, British bulldogs, all, dogs, all yeah. those kinds of animals. Well, boxes. completely, boxes as well. Right, okay. completely.
4: Um, and those kind of standards that are recommended in Clover's Bill can go through by regulation.
1: Right. Don't, you
4: don't have to have consultation. It doesn't go to Parliament, it just goes through by regulation.
1: Right. Does that mean as a, as a pet lover, um, when you want to go and, and purchase a pet, it may also increase the price of pets? The, the price issue is one because we of the genuinely haven't looked at because, mm. frankly,
4: the other ramifications are so big that the pricing issue probably is an issue. But now mm. that you come to analyse that, if we're going to lose all of those hybrid dogs that Australians love to own, mm-hmm. if we're likely to lose a whole lot of particular breeds, and if breeder registration and all of the standards that go with it drive, drive breeders out of the business, in other words, it gets too bureaucratic and they say, oh, damn it, I just give up, then yes... The price of pets will most definitely rise.
0: Mm. So, Joe, can I ask you a quick question? Which groups are rallying to oppose the bill?
4: Um, there are a number of groups. Actually, there's a, the Australian Veterinary Association, the Australian Small Animal Veterinary Association, Dogs New South Wales,
5: Animal Welfare
4: League New South Wales, Sydney Dog and Cat Home. Uh, frantically scrolls through mental list um, ourselves, and I think there's a couple of others. Mm um we've been approached by a cat organization in the last 2 days saying hey you know we want to come and join with you that group of people has actually put its heads together and produced an overarching scientific review mm. of what information's out there where the information gaps are what we need to do because Frankly, we don't need another piece of legislation that overlies two or three others, hmm. and that, and that you know, creates drama and makes ordinary people into criminals. Yes. What we need is some solid research and some real, genuine policy.
1: It's it's before I go on to the breeder, how breeders of even your purebred dog breeders get affected. Hmm. I, the bill states that the idea is to limit dogs being sold. Dogs and cats being sold in pet stores because a lot get euthanized, but the actual reality, from what I've read, um, and the statistics show that only five to ten percent of dogs and cats come from pet stores anyway.
4: That's true. Uh, what tends to happen is that people who are, you know, intending to buy a dog will often pat the puppy in the pet shop, and yeah. it actually helps them work out what kind of breed they like. But in the end, only five to ten percent of dogs and cats are purchased from pet shops. Mm. The vast majority come over the internet or the classifieds or by direct contact or through breeders.
1: So, um, so that that th- throws another complexity to the issue, really, because if we're going to limit the sale of them in pet stores, it's only five to ten percent that gets sold through pet stores anyway. Well, it, it's
4: like dealing with the oil issue by hmm. banning mini miners,
1: isn't it? Yes, <laughs> I guess so. But if I'm a, a breeder, I'm registered with Dogs New South Wales. I, I breed pure breed. Uh, dogs. I breed Weimaraners myself. Mm-hmm. How does it affect me?
4: Well, for a start, you'll have to be registered with the government as well as with Dogs New South Wales. So,
1: no longer would the code of ethics that Dogs New South Wales um, give me that I abide by is no longer enough, which is a five-page document in itself.
4: Yeah, that, the government will have the right to impose standards on you. So, for example they might look at wymeraners actually wymeraners aren't necessarily the best example because they're a pretty sound breed but mm-hmm. they might look at uh, in standards terms and to use the uk as an analogy um they might look at say, oh gee hip dysplasia it runs in families okay any family that's got hip dysplasia in it you can't breed from mm-hmm. so that comes in as a standard and suddenly you know you'll start to see the disappearance of german shepherds and uh, and golden retrievers and some labradors and some others under the bill, inspectors will also have the right to enter your property, even yes. against your will, at certain times of the day. Yes. Um, the the standards can change without warning. So, for example, once all the brachycephalic dogs are gone, those flat-faced dogs,
1: like your pugs and boxes, and yeah, yep. yep. Then
4: they'll say, "Oh, gee, that one's fixed. Okay, now we'll get to the hip dysplasia." Mm-hmm. And then once that one's fixed, the standards can change again. Oh, look, there's OCD and shoulders in some dogs. Let's let's remove those dogs. Yep. Um, At the moment, registered breeders can also um, pass their pet quality stock through to accredited pet stores, so they'll lose that option. But it also uh, is going to put a lot of pressure on them to be responsible for their dogs for the whole of the dog's life.
5: Now, there's a push on in
4: Victoria to make a breeder responsible for the genetics of the dog for their whole life. So, for example, if you've got, um, and this has happened to me in real life, I had a border collie. Um, she got to eight years old, she got uh, pancreatic cancer, and I discovered that every other animal in her litter did too. Mm-hmm. Now, under that law, I could go back and sue the breeder. Yeah. So this is the kind of standards that can chop and change and come and go yeah. according to whichever pressure group has, um,
1: has the ascendancy at that moment. So there is quite a lot of detail in that bill um, that uh, if you look at the wording that can affect a lot of um, people that love animals, love their pets. Well, um, I think we're running out of time, but thank be- you very before much. Before we go, Joe,
0: if we have some listeners who would like to uh, put their name down to oppose the bill, is there an re- inter- internet site we can go to, or somewhere we can register our names, or a phone number we can call?
4: Um, look, I think the most important thing—we're we're not running petitions because you know, petitions can be um, corrupted, as you know. Um, I think the most important thing is that people understand what's going on, and if you know, if you know your local member, um, then yeah, say, "Hey, this bill is bigger than it looks." and it's been carefully worded to look benign, and it's actually quite nasty, you should oppose it. Mm. Mm. So it's a matter of talking to your local member, really, is the best thing that people can do
1: right now. That's right, or even sending a letter to them. Yes, that's yeah. true Yeah, Thank you very much for uh, making the time to come on our show. Good to talk very, to you, guys. Very much appreciated. See you, bye. Bye-bye so good
0: to have her talking to us, and that is a very interesting and, as we said earlier, controversial bill that they'd like to it push is. through, isn't it?
1: That's right. There's a lot of detail in there, and uh, it's worthwhile having a reader of the whole bill and taking note of what it says and what... Those um, the wording may mean in the future and and how it will work in terms of what you're doing as a breeder or mm. what you're doing as a pet owner. Now yeah. our
0: phone number here is four nine two one six two one six for Pet Chat Radio. Uh, Brittany was waiting on the line. Sorry about that, Brittany. We got caught up in that interview there. If you'd like to call back, Brittany, we've got a free line there now. We've actually got two free lines. So if you'd like to call back, we'd love to hear from you. And we've got another line there. If you'd like to call and you've got a question you'd like to ask either our vet doctor David Tabret on four nine 216216, or Denny is here also. Now, it's 19 to 1. Uh, you didn't bring an item in for us today, Denny. What what are you looking at there?
1: Well, no, I didn't bring an item in today because I just thought we would spend uh, more time on on the issue with the with the bill, yeah. and that was my reasoning in regards to that because last week we just didn't have time to do... We had call after call, yeah, yeah. so it was so busy. Yeah. But I just find it, it is quite interesting with the statistics on the bill and what it involves. Um, it is quite a detail detailed bill. As I said, I've printed it out. It's 23 pages. And before people say, yes, I'm for it or uh, I'm against it, people need to have a look at the detail and have a look at what it means.
0: Hmm. How are you, Brittany?
4: I am well, thank you.
0: What would you like to ask Dr. David Tabbert?
4: Um, I was just listening to your program before when you were talking about dogs in cars and during the heat. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a very small mini foxy that Pretty much lives in my car I'm in my car all the time, and she's in there with me and uh, my car does not have air conditioning at all mm-hmm. um, but I find that um, on really hot days um, even when the car is moving she she seems to get very heat stressed and um, coughs quite a bit when it gets really hot um, and a couple of times she's even thrown up in the last when it 's been really hot yeah. and I was wondering is is that just because she is a small dog, and and did I, are they more susceptible to that, or you know, what what sort of thing should I do?
2: Not so much because she's a small dog, but um, I think uh, we're, we assume that the vomiting is from that, but it may or may not be. Um, and the gastrointestinal tract is very sensitive, so that can often be the first marker that or sign that you've got some problems there. Um, the key thing is probably is just, as I said before, is to make sure that she gets plenty of water. If you're driving along, you've got to have the window open because it's that moving air that um, provides the cooling effect, but she's got to also have moisture in her mouth yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. So, okay. you know, that's the um, that's the best strategy to choose. Uh, yeah. Preferably on the hot days, keep her out of the, the car on yep. on those times, I think. Um, okay, all right. So if you if just even if you carry around a little water bottle with her name yeah. on it and then yeah. you can give her a drink or splash some water in her mouth even on those hot days.
3: Yeah.
4: That would okay. that
2: would be the best option or if not keep her out of the car altogether.
4: Radio. All right. All right, thank you very much. All right. For
2: that. Okay, Good Brittany. on you, Brittany.
0: Thank you for that. 49216216 is the number. Free line there for you to call us on right now for Pet Chat Radio. If you've got a question you'd like to ask about your pet or your animal, you can give us a call on that on 49216216. Uh, from the pet uh, shop uh, point of view, for the really hot days, is there any specific foods or anything you can offer, any treats the dogs that they can eat that can help them a little bit?
1: Basically, it's about cooling. So, mm. as David says, You've got to give them enough water. It's got to be fairly fresh, cool water as well. We do have, in the pet store, we do have cooling uh, beds, which you can actually uh, cool down by using water, but the bed part of it's not wet for the dog. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also have cooling coats, so you can wet the coat and put the coat over the dog and it remains cool for them. So there's some of the options that are available um, to the pet. Yeah.
2: Okay, so and a you, is it Danny? You can get actual like water fountains that continuously supply water hooked up to taps. So that I was talking about before. That it, the problem is if you've only got one water source, sometimes the dogs will tip them over. Yeah. Um, so a good idea to have two. But you can actually get um, water sources that are hooked up, continually running.
1: Yes, there is a, a one that I just came across on the market just last week, actually. You attach it to the tap, but it also has another um, uh, attachment where you can attach your hose if you're using it for gardening so that the tap isn't just used by oh, it the, isn't this isolated. drinker. Yeah. yeah, it's not isolated. And what happens is it has a sensor, and as the dog approaches, it allows water to flow out. So oh. it's quite amazing <laughs> how it works, and the dog can actually just lick uh, lick the water from the attachment. And then when the dog moves away, it stops the flow of water. Well, and it's always want. fresh water coming out of the tap.
2: Can I get one of them with beer? <laughs> <laughs> now, um, we've, we've been very lucky. I, I think we've got a Mark, special, guest, yes? special guest on the phone. We've been able to get hold of Dr. Mark Laurie, who's the National President of the Australian Veterinary Association. Um, and I know that Mark's been down to Victoria to survey... The situation down there. Uh, hi, Mark. How are you going? Hi, David. How are you? Good. Good to talk to you again. Although under the um, the least uh, desirable of circumstances, circumstances. No. what yeah. can you, what can you give us an update about uh, the animal situation, both domestic and wildlife, down in the areas affected by the fires?
5: Yeah, I guess um, I, I guess similar to sort of fires of the past, uh, there's a, a similar pattern. Obviously, though, this is the worst case of bushfires Australia's ever seen, there's some thoughts that perhaps a million animals have died in the process, particularly wildlife Um, and and as occurs uh, when there's such intense fires like this uh, mostly there's sort of instant death for those animals and that's really sad particularly in a couple of cases uh, there's a, in the Strisbecki Ranges there's a group of koalas that are genetically distinct from many others in uh, Victoria and there's real worries that they their sustainability might be threatened and we still don't know that yet, it's still in the danger zones. Uh and even a, a a sort of um honey eater project that was running out of Healesville, uh, there's real fears that uh, that might have those animals might have been lost as well. Uh so there's some real tragedies that way. The um there's certainly a lot of activity going on and one of the great things about being down here is just to see the wonderful community spirit, um, we're seeing it all over now how Australians are opening their hearts and the people down here are are really pitching in. And and within the veterinary community, it really makes me quite proud to be a vet, to see the efforts that are being done by the hard work of of the vets in government through the Mm DPI who have got responsibility for livestock and they need to go around. Uh, They're often behind the closed lines as soon as there's um, sort of safety allowed from with access into the areas and are trying to treat and manage those livestock, sadly sometimes having to, to euthanise them to put them to sleep and then they're suffering. Uh, and then there's the private practitioners, the local vets that from these communities. One of the vet clinics as has been heard in King Lake was burnt to the ground. One of the, the vets that's working there has actually set up a, a tent hospital right from early days. has mm. been working in with the, the clinic in Whittlesey. We're hearing similar stories to that. Um, even vets that have lost their houses in the fire that are still uh, working to provide that care for for wildlife, being places where animals can be taken to be treated if they need to. Mostly it's sort of burnt feet with dogs and yep. and whiskers and ears and that with cats. Um, the numbers aren't huge and that's what we tend to find. Fortunately, many people get out and we've seen so many images of that where people have taken their dogs with them and, you know, you hear the stories about, at least I say the dogs and the kids.
2: Yeah. And, um, yeah, Sadly, that wasn't
5: always the case. Um, yeah. but, um, the vets are sort of acting to, uh, you know, be triage centres and also places where animals can stay. And well, the clinic I was out this morning. And we 'll see just yesterday, you know, someone who had thought to been dead and they were covered in the press came in and, and reclaimed their dog. And you know, oh, they well. thought that this person had died and the dog was brought there by a tearful sort of neighbour to say, you know, he, you know, it's he's an orphan dog now. And then so there's some. Some wow. really positive news stories like that happening. Is, uh, there, is, like there, any, the tragedy.
0: is there any foster home initiatives uh, at the moment or in, in, in the planning pipeline there to help out any of the animals in the interim?
5: There certainly is. You know, there's a lot of networks um, around that. I guess these things sort of go through phases. Um, you know, and early on, uh, it's been sort of difficult for us as a, at an AVA level just to make sure to coordinate um, the effort. There's a lot of willingness to. there's nothing to be done almost apart from, you know, a little bit of work by the local people. Then there's a bit of a flood. Um generally you know, even with vets there's been a lot of volunteers from other states, but the resources in the main are being met by the local people down here supported by, you know, sort of vets from Melbourne and that. Um we're keeping a track on that, uh to see how that goes. Um,
2: and so mark the uh, the Australian Veterinary Association has taken a role in helping to coordinate the activities of the um like government with the the private practitioners and setting up networks and accessing the member network of all members across australia. is that that the picture?
5: yeah we've uh, yeah, normally there's many agencies uh, that are involved in the process of uh, emergency relief, and always at times there's confusion, and we try to to work uh, to smooth over some of those things. We've been doing a lot of communication out direct to our members to let them know what's happening and what's needed and, and contact points. The yeah. Victorian office has, has been working around the clock with the staff in there and we're, we've just sent uh, someone down who's volunteered, a volunteer a former president of the AVA, to, to man the office over the weekend and, and start thinking about some of the broader... Uh, coordination we might be able to do lessons that we're already learning about what is required
2: into the future and i guess the other thing you've talked about uh, the species of wildlife and the numbers but we've also seen a great destruction of habitat um, in in these areas as well so there must be serious concerns about the sustainability of any population of um, wild animals that uh, have been in these areas
5: Yeah, that's the way it goes. You know, often there are pockets that uh, survive, but certainly the level of intensity and there's all that questioning going on about fuel reduction and should more have been done. And one of the consequences of that often is that you do get um, uh, uh, corridors or pockets of wildlife where some animals survive and can then you know, repopulate out of those areas. Um, Mm. There'll be a lot of analysis done on that, and that's certainly a risk at this stage. Yeah. Um.
2: Well, Mark, look, I know you've been very busy and we really do appreciate the time. It's been good to talk to you and get that update straight from the field. And uh, thanks again very much for taking the time to talk to us today. No, thank you, David. Thanks, Mark.
5: Mm. It's
0: but a horrifying story, isn't
2: it? Yeah, um, I guess the... A million um, animals lost. A million. The reunification of, of pets and those stories are the things that sustain us, as, obviously, as well as people. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, the, as he said, the spirit that people are showing, and each of us in a way with mm. our own skills have a have a role to play or an ability to help in this area. So um, even if, uh, you know, we're not, we're not all vets, so we're not all going to do yeah. that, but then, you know, I'm not a firefighter or I'm not a builder, so I can't mm. go in and build those houses. Mm. So it's going to take a concerted effort, but um, it's good to hear that um, people are involved and I think the coordination thing. Um, Mark mentioned about the communications right from... Monday, as a Veterinary Association member myself, we've been getting daily emails Mm. um, updated from the National Office as to what's happening and coordinating um, with uh, the situation down in Victoria. We didn't get to actually talk to Mark about... He's a past president of the RSPCA in New South Wales, and obviously in Victoria the RSPCA have a huge role as well in this. So it's that coordination action that's going to help... um, you know get get the situation back on track get the animals back to their homes and hopefully coordinate the wildlife stuff as well mm, wonderful now just a quick one we
0: mentioned about the uh, the heat stress and the animals what about our horses our friends our fully
2: good horse horses? horses are very uh very um adapted if you like and genetically and biologically adapted to dealing with heat they're a bit smarter uh <laughs> they're smarter than dogs they don't tend to run around in the sun they find the shade yeah yeah they don't chase the ball that the owner keeps throwing (laughs) um so they do conserve themselves they got a much they they got a much bigger body area and of course they actually sweat um having said that i used to do a lot of endurance horse vetting many years ago and one of the big issues was the temperature of horses after they exercise you know they might ride 60 80 kilometers or something a day And um, they come in and we have to get their temperature and their heart rate down within a certain time. The real tragedy was when we saw there's a condition in horses called anhydrosis where Mm. they actually don't sweat and those horses just can't exercise. Mm. So it's the same sort of scenario. You've got to be really careful. But because they can sweat, they uh, cope with the heat a lot better. But they do obviously then need to drink a hell of a lot more, of course. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, they cope all right. I think a lot of our wild animals do cope and stay out of the heat, either burrowing or they're they're naturally set up for the temperature. also
1: good idea to to add to water electrolytes too on particularly hot days, isn't it? Yeah. There's products like Recharge, Rehydra, which are electrolyte-based for your dogs and and horses as well.
2: Yeah, definitely with horses because Mm. the sweat contains so much electrolytes. Um, And a lot of people who are involved in, say, the endurance vetting, which is the sort of the the sport that best exemplifies how to manage those issues, mm. they, um, you know, they have their own little cocktails of electrolytes that they use. But um, by and large for dogs, it's really it's about uh, water. Mm. We expect that um, if they're eating normally and drinking normally, they'll rehydrate uh, and get their electrolytes back to normal. Mm. Um, so that's, you know, as long as for people out there with your dogs, and cats, by the way, too, we don't see too many cats with heat stress, but we've, I've seen a couple uh but you do need to be careful um but dogs in particular because of this problem where their their skin's not sweating and so mm. keeping them cool i mentioned before with one of the callers that um uh that uh you know the sign of vomiting for instance so mm. i said the gut can be the first sign of a problem yeah. the thing we've seen a couple of dogs um and daniel concur with this dogs like british bulldogs. And Staffies and Rottweilers, these dogs with a pushed-in nose, what we call brachycephalic, mm. when they uh, try to pant, they're not very good at it because their throat's so narrow and they actually end up with um, developing a choking episode and they can actually obstruct their airway. And I remember mm. um, I remember one day we had this a few years ago with the heat stress and we had uh, a staffy come in that was unconscious and couldn't breathe. Mm. We put a tube in his throat and got him back better and after about couple of hours of breathing on a ventilator he was he was okay and back to normal but the critical thing was he just couldn't get air in at all Mm. so um i know that the weather sort of says hey maybe we don't have to worry about this this season but uh, i think we might see a little bit more warm weather, and i've seen it even right through winter believe it or not because it's all to do with the exercise level Mm.
0: Now, what about some activities coming up this week? Do we have any activities in the area locally that you know of, Denny?
1: Not at the moment, but next week there will be some more activities. And mm. coming into March, there's a lot of different festivals and animal um, yeah, fairs going on and little expos and so forth. So we've got that. I did want to mention for next week, uh, uh, we'll still touch on the subject with the uh, the bill that we're talking about the animal regulation bill, but we'll talk to uh, a Dogs New South Wales representative. And that Dogs New South Wales is the body that registers all your pure uh, mm-hmm. dog uh, breeders. So um, it'll be interesting to talk to him and, and take the side of the story too. That'll
0: be something we can look forward to next yeah, week. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. What are you looking at? Have you got a topic for us in mind for next week, David?
2: I usually see what happens during the week to... Um, <laughs> yeah to get an idea because of the nature of things that come through the door oh just a warning to people with this warm weather i think we'll still see some tick poisoning yeah be careful um, that's that, out yeah. there as so we've had a few actually over the last week which is a little bit surprising but um, the, they don't like the intense heat but once it's warm and this sort of mid-20s temperature that we're heading for uh, and wet weather then the ticks will be out again so um, make sure you've got preventative measures in place.
0: Right, yeah. Thank you, gentlemen. We'll look forward to your company again next Thanks, week Dave. from midday. All right. It's Pet Chat Radio here at 2NURFM.